Welcome to the Richmond Road Baptist Church. This is our afternoon service on Sunday, but what we're going to do is uh, for a few services, I don't know how many yet, we're going to be uh, teaching the booklet, The Trail of Blood. They say, well, that's not spiritual. Of course it's spiritual. Everything about it's spiritual. But anyway, so that's what we're going to be doing, and I hope you'll listen. Now, we've got uh, handouts that I've given out here, here at the church. If, you, if you're watching us, if you want some of these, want these handouts, we will get them to you. Possibly, I don't know how to do it, but we've got those here that don't, do know how to do it. Take pictures and where you can get them yourself, or we will actually send them to you, but you'll have to make sure you get us your uh, mailing address, and we'll, we'll get them to you. Because they do help, and that's the reason I've got them, so they'll kind of help you as we go along. So, we're going to be on the Trail of Blood. This is the newest printing, and this is printed by Bryan Station Baptist Church out on Briar Hill Road here in Lexington, and you can buy them from Bryan Station. If you want us to, we'll send you one, but you ought to have this, and you ought to buy enough of them that you... That you uh, we won't charge you, but I don't know how many of them we can send out. But anyway, you could buy a bunch from Bryan Station and make sure you pass them out to people. I started passing these out when I was a kid. When I, I saved when I was nine years old at Old Ashton Avenue Baptist Church. And besides the Bible, it was the first book I ever read was The Trail of Blood. And then uh, I passed them out the whole four years I was in the Navy. I don't know how many of them are passed out. Anyway, do they do any good? I don't know. It's the truth. And that's what we, we are about is the truth. So what this is, it is a brief, now I understand brief, history of Baptist churches from Christ, John the Baptist and Christ, down to, well, we'll, we'll present age, We'll talk about the book. There is a chart in the back of it. And that's what we have up here, an enlarged chart. And I'm going to talk about everything that's on that chart. So we'll try to help you with that. If there's even, if you have questions, you can uh, call questions in or write them in, however you do it on the internet or the for, uh, Facebook. Now, this book has been being printed since 1931, and uh, it's had several printings. It's had, it used to be the first, I've got one, the original was bigger than this, but then for many, many years, I, uh, Brother Walker and Ashton Avenue used Byron Page Printing Company, and they printed a small version of it. When Bryan Station began printing it, they did this larger I like this larger one better, but of course the smaller ones were easy to, easier to pass out. But anyway, this is, the, this is what we have today. Now, this is not the ultimate authority. It is a writing of a man, Dr. J.M. Carroll, who was a great Baptist. The Bible is the only authority that we have. But I don't know of anything that contradicts the Bible in the trail of blood. This is not our authority. The Bible is our authority. 
But I've had a couple of so-called Baptist preachers tell me there were mistakes in it. Uh, Sean Hannity, who's a Catholic, he got into it some years ago over the trail of blood, and it turns out he was wrong. And the trail of blood is right. Anyway, I tried this just a while back. I wrote, uh, sent a question in to the internet. Could you list the errors in the trail of blood? Because a lot of people like to ridicule it. Well, here's, here's one particular fella. Comstock on a, a Puritan board freshman, whatever that is. He says, I recently picked up a copy of the notorious Trail of Blood by J, booklet by J.M. Carroll. I read, it, I read through it cursorily, a little bit here and a little bit there, a little bit here and a little bit there. And it seemed like propaganda or something. Anyways, I was wondering if anyone could give me some examples of the errors in it. My sentiments exactly. So I can read with discernment. What are the errors in it? Now he says, I know that it is untrue, but I don't have any evidence to refute it. That sounds like the evolutionist proven evolution. <laughs> or billions of years. Anyway, there, there's a whole list. I'm not going to read them all. There's a whole list of people. And basically what they say is, we don't believe it. We don't like it, but they still never answer my question. Where are the errors? They never give me one. Baptist preacher, pastor of a big Baptist church. I was talking to him directly, and he said the whole book is a mistake. I said, well, then you sure, surely can give me one example. Oh, well, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm not that familiar with it. I don't know much about it. I said, then you ought not to shoot your mouth off about something you don't know what you're talking about. And that's exactly what he was doing. Well, we and I never became great friends with him, but <laughs> I wonder why. But I mean, I, I, I'm dead serious about that. If you're going to tell me something is wrong, you need to tell me how it's wrong. I don't do anybody that way. You ask me, I'll, I'll give you my evidence, and I'll, and I'll take my time doing it. Give up my time doing it. Though I don't have time. The other preacher said that. He said, well, I don't have time now. And he died before he could ever tell me. You know, I think he's found out now. But anyway, it is a history book. Any history book is only as good as the author and his resources or her resources. That's, that's all you can do. I can give you a history book somewhat, my experience, back to uh, somewhere in my childhood. But beyond that, I have to depend on what others have written who were there. I wasn't there. And so, say, well, Dr. So-and-so, he's a real authority. It's authority on what other people have written. That's all he can be an authority on, is what they have written. So how good are your resources? There you go. There's the question. All right. 
When we study Baptist history is the specific history of Baptist churches. Church history is a much broader subject and it in includes everything that is under the umbrella of churches, especially uh, Christian churches. We don't mean that by denomination. Uh, but even included in that, you've got other religions. When you, when you go to, to college and you take comparative religions, you don't just talk about Christianity. You talk about Hinduism, Buddhism, Confucianism, Mohammedanism, and all the other isms. That's comparative religions, all right? Church history is more in the line of comparative religions than it is a specific Baptist history. So Baptist history is a specialized history. But you can't know truly Baptist history unless you have some idea of what was happening in the church history world. And that's about this chart and everything that we'll be talking about. Uh, so I, let's see, I got that covered. Uh, let me look at this chart just a little bit. I'm going to back around it just a little bit. Am I still on the camera? I think so. All right, this chart. Now I think Brother Wayne Campbell worked hard getting this and putting the different lights and all this stuff in and getting all this stuff up. Randy working on my slides and all that and everybody. And y'all run these things and pass. I appreciate everything everybody's done. And we do a lot and because we, they want to get the truth out. Now this chart, the Trail of Blood chart by J.M. Carroll, keep this in mind. Back in 1929 or 30, somewhere around in there, Brother Clarence Walker of the old Ashton Avenue Baptist Church, not the new one, he had Dr. Carroll come from Texas to Ashland Avenue to do a seminar on Baptist history. And Dr. J.W. Porter, the namesake of Porter Memorial Baptist Church in Lexington, who he was a good Baptist. So he encouraged, and so did Brother Walker, Dr. Carroll to put this in a book so they could, so they could uh, distribute it. And as a result of that meeting with uh, Brother Porter and Brother Walker and Dr. Carroll, this book is what was uh, the result. And so Brother Walker, he had a printing press and had a, a over 100,000 week circulation of a paper that went all over the world. And so he had the, he had the means whereby to, to distribute the book. So he took over, and Ashton Avenue took over, printing the Trail of Blood, and then distributed it, advertised it in the, in the Ashton Avenue paper, and therefore many of them, uh, I think there's been over three million, I don't know, it's hard to, hard to determine, it's been translated in several languages, I know it was in Italian, I know it was, it's in Portuguese, uh, and I don't know what other languages, but it's been translated <coughs> excuse me, into several languages. So, there's the history of the Trail of Blood up till now, and we do believe that it re relates to the truth. Now, this chart, you go to the top, 100, 200, 3, 4, 5, all the way up here to 21. Those are centuries. 
that would be the, the year zero. Now, I understand our calendar is not exact. The Pope Gregory uh, calendar, Gregorian calendar, and it's off by several years. Matter of fact, zero probably isn't zero. Zero probably is five or six b before zero, before Christ. All right, but we're stuck with the calendar we've got, and we have to use that. So understanding that we know it's not exact, the year zero would be the year that Christ was born. Now they've tried to change that. Now they're no longer, they're not no longer. Uh, they're talking. Let's see. I, I, I forget what they're using now. I know uh, they're using BCE before Christian era, but I don't know what they're using for the, the other. I, I still use BC and AD. Anno Domini, the year of our Lord. That would be zero. All right. So from zero to one hundred or ninety-nine, that would be the first century. Now we go from two hundred. To 300, that would be the second century, and then so forth until we get up here from from uh, zero from uh, 2000 all the way up to 2100 through 2100. That's the 21st century. That's the first century, second. So it's it seems like it's always a year behind. So if you say something took place in the third century. That means it took place in the second sentence, 200 from year zero uh, to 200. All right. So that's how that's made up. Now, as you come down that panel, you got that line there, and that just limits it to 100 years. These will be major events that uh, Brother Car or Dr. Carroll decided needed to be pointed out that happened in that century. That's not what all that happened in that century. There, I mean, you can study from now on on the things that happened in the first century. Uh, but these are things, uh, regular churches, black dot. Jesus organized his church. There's Mark or Matthew, and then those red dots. And then you come on down here, there, there you find England, and then there are Christians in the second century. Now, uh, We'll talk about all of those. We'll probably add some too. I'm sure we will. But the point is, you can make you can make a lifetime study of this. When I go studying, I just have to shoot here and shoot there. I branch off and get this and get that. There's so many things to study, and I think it's one of the most interesting, powerful studies that you can have, other than just strictly the Bible. Now. So that's, that's the way that'll be. And all these names, we'll talk about all of those. Uh, make sure if you've got questions, you write them down because we feel like that they are very important. Real quick, John 17. We read this. You read it a while ago. Uh, John 16. Jesus said, These things have I spoken unto you, that you should not be offended. They shall put you out of the synagogues. Yea, the time cometh, that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God's service. These people found out the truth of what Jesus said. They started to find out early, but the longer it goes, the worse it gets. And we've got evidence of that, proof of that. All right, so that's what we're going to be doing. 
Let's see, we're going to do this, our handouts. Oh, yeah, this is what I wanted to do. Uh, we listen a lot to the things that go on from the Creation Museum and the Ark Encounter. And I've learned a lot from them. Uh, I don't necessarily agree with every word they say, but we've learned a lot from them. And I'm not a scientist. Don't pretend to be. But they, te- they have taught me that the scientific method, okay, and they all depend on this, and they try to use it against creationists and Bible believers. But here we go. The scientific method says, number one, making an observation. And this is supposed to be the way that all scientists work. They make an observation. Number two, they form an hypothesis. That is an assumption to be tested to see if it's true. Number three, they make a prediction based on their observation. Four, they're conducting an experiment. And five, analyzing the results. Now here's what I want to do with this. Why would we ever study Baptist church history? Well, we make observations. And let's see what observation that we can make. Uh, Let's go to the Gospel of Matthew real quick. Matthew 16. Now, we definitely believe the Bible is the Word of God. Every word given by inspiration of God and is profitable for reproof and doctrine and correction and so on. So here in Matthew 16, Jesus says, verse 17, well, let's go back to verse 15. He, that, he saith unto them, But whom say ye, that's second person plural, whom say you all that I am? He's asking his apostles. And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. Barjona just means son of Jonah. For flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The next verse goes with it, but for sake of time, I'm going to stop there. You may read it at your leisure. Now, observation. Keep that in mind. Now look at Matthew 28. Matthew 28 and verse 16. And this is towards the end of Jesus' public ministry. Verse 16, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, 
but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye, therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Now we can make one gigantic observation here with those two passages of Scripture, and that is Jesus promised whatever his church was, Matthew 16, that's the first, first time he used the word church, and that means, uh, that means uh, assembly or congregation. Whatever Jesus was founding there, he promised that neither death nor anything could prevail against it. <coughs> and then he said in Matthew <coughs> 28, he said, Lo, I'm with you always. And the Greek words there mean day upon by days. Literally is what, what it says. Meaning he's with his kind of church every day. All right, forgive me. Uh, so, our observations have got to be that Jesus, number one, he founded his kind of church on himself and he promised perpetuity or continued existence to it. Now, there's our observation. Thank you, dear. There's our observation. As all well, you, you don't have any predictions. Well, now, wait a minute. First, we've got to form a, a hypothesis. What's our hypothesis? I just stated it. From the scriptures, not from the trail of blood or anybody else's writing. From the Bible itself, we determined that Jesus Christ started his kind of assembly when he was here on earth. And he promised perpetuity or continued existence literally day by day until he comes back and receives it unto himself. <coughs> now that's an observation. And that is a hypothesis. And we're going to make a prediction. <laughs> you know what scientists do? Based on our observation, our hypothesis, we're going to make a prediction. My prediction is this, that according to what we've seen, as we go through history, we will actually find evidences of these kinds of churches in existence. That's our prediction. We have a scientific right to that prediction. And our experiment is going to be we're going to study through history and see. And then we'll analyze the results. And I can tell you, we will have some results of this. So now, does this sound pretty scientific? I want somebody to argue with me. You know, tell me about how unscientific this is. It's not unscientific at all. It's absolutely scientific. All right. Uh, what I want to get now. I'll tell you about our, our handouts. Now remember, if you want one, Oh, if you want these handouts, we'll get them to you or we can put them where you can get them. Does, is that showing up in his hand? This map is the 
the Roman world in the time of, of Caesar, it'd be from uh, 60 to 44 B.C. I wanted a, a map of the world that Jesus came into. Now, this doesn't tell you all of the continents, but the pretty much the populated world was all right here. So this is the world that we that we see. That's you got northern Africa there, you've got the Mediterranean uh, Sea, and you've got the southern part, southern tip of Europe, and you've got uh, you've got uh, uh, Palestine, Jerusalem, uh, and all, and then Saudi Arabia. And there's that's that's what's on that map. You can trace things that way. Then my, my next handout is going to be a blank for a Bible chronology. When a chronology, the word literally breaks down, is from the Greek, Greek chronos, and then anytime you see ology, it means a study of it. Coming from logos, uh, anyway. A study of time. Chronos is time. So a chronology is study of time sequences. And so we will do this, fill that out as we go. And then next, I've got a note here. I'm going to read about this. Uh, and we've got a couple other things there that we'll talk about. Anyway, now about our chronology, about our time. Well, if I just start with Matthew 16, 18, or uh, 28, 20, we'll start about, about 30 A.D. That'd be in the beginning of Jesus' personal ministry on earth. Uh, when he first, he goes to John the Baptist and gets authority from his baptism. John the Baptist came to initiate the ordinance of baptism. Now I know the Southern Baptist Convention and many of them try to say that John the Baptist learned, learned how to baptize from the Jews. But that's not so. That's, that's a vain imagination is what that is. The Bible plainly says that there was a man sent from God whose name was John. His name was not Baptist. His name was John, the son of Zacharias. Jesus called him the Baptist, and that was before he had ever baptized anybody. So you have to watch that name Baptist. Anytime you see John the Baptist in the scriptures, it's always got the definite article the in front of it, except for one time in the Gospel of Luke, and the translators left the out, but it's in the Greek. So he is John the Baptist, not John Baptist. They say, well, he was John the Baptizer. That's not how he got his name. John or was called the Baptist. Jesus called him the Baptist. Who was the first Baptist? John. People say he's in the bride. Eh, I, I don't know what I'm going to do with the first Baptist. But anyway, we're getting that sometime. All right, so what I want you to do is you get this chronology, we'll fill it out. Our first date should be, as it goes according to Usher's chronology, uh, the before Christ, B.C.'s, the first one, Archbishop Usher, 
who did a, a, a bang-up job on a chrono Bible chronology, actually the first one ever really give a good one, he said the date of creation is 4004 B.C. Well, we're at 2024. That means the whole earth, the whole universe is about 6,000 years old. So your first date is going to be 4004. Well, you can put four if you want to, but 4000 B.C. A lot of people make fun of that, but they make fun of a lot of things. And they shouldn't be making fun of the, of the Word of God. And now, how do we know that's the date of creation? Well, so why am I talking about all this? Because you have to know that the Lord's church didn't just start out in the middle of anything. There are things that led up to it. This was not an afterthought with God. It was according to His eternal purpose that Jesus came not only to redeem His people, but He came to start His kind of a church, His kind of a assembly. So, that's why I want you to get these, get these dates here. So 4004 is the first date that we've got. Now, you know, the secular world, and your kids get all this at school, they say that the world is billions of years old. Matter of fact, I think it's moved up to 13 and a half billion now. That's how they've got it now. I didn't bring it down here with me, but I just, I read it to the church. The, uh, I went on the internet and I asked the question, how do you establish the universe is 13 and a half billion years old? Well, pretty authoritative source. I've got, I've got it in writing. Or you can just click on it ask that question. Go on the internet just ask the question, how do you establish the earth or the universe as 13 and a half billion years old? That's a legitimate question, isn't it? I don't hear anybody asking it, but I think it's a legitimate question. You ought to want to know it. If it is, you ought to know how, how, they, how do they arrive at that. Well, uh, here's what I got. First out the bat, we don't know how old the earth is. But you say it's 13 and a half billion years old. Yeah, well, we, we go back and we, we find the oldest stars. How do the stars date themselves? What's his name? The little fellow that just died? Stephen Hawking. He said the only thing that you can see of a star is possibly the color, a little, little dot, because the stars are so far away. We'll never travel to a star in this life, folks. They'll never build a rocket ship to take you to a star. The nearest one is 24 trillion miles away. So they'll never do, they may talk about star travel. That's just a figment of their imagination. Uh, that's like Chewbacca or something. You know, it's, it's all just imagination. Science fiction, not science reality. And so all they could see is just, just a little, little speck of light and uh, 
they, can, they think they can tell the temperature of the star by the color of it, and they just barely tell the color of it. And that's all they can see from a star. They cannot tell how old a star is, but they imagine that they can. Nobody's ever seen a star created. Do you know that? They talk about the Oort zone. Nobody's ever seen the Oort zone. That's just an imagination. That's, that's an unproven hypothesis trying to answer the questions. They don't know how old stars are. Then they talk about the rate of expansion. <laughs> then it says that they, they go back there. They, they extrapolate back to the Big Bang. Well, the Big Bang's about to go out. There's lots of scientists that are backing off of that Big Bang theory because it, it, was, it wasn't even really a theory. It was just an idea. And there's no evidence of a Big Bang. So how do you tell how old the universe is? You can't tell. It doesn't tell you. So well, we date fossils. No, you don't. All the fossils tell you that it died. That's all you can tell by looking at a fossil. You can't tell anything else by it. So anyway, uh, they have no, no definition. Then they, had, uh, they do this. They talk about these old half-monkey half men that we supposedly came from and all that. Uh, you can't see it, but I've got a, a drawing. These deer, now, I don't know about you all, if you can see that. I can't even draw a stick man that looks good. Now, Randy, you can do real good. But now these, would you admit that those deer found on a cave in, in, in France, pretty good artwork, isn't it? But what they say is these half ape, half men drew those. I don't believe that for a minute. I believe, I believe they're on the cave. I believe a man or a human being, a woman, drew these, but they were human beings. And it wasn't any... How many years? 10,000 years ago. Anyway, that's, that's all they can have to say about, about this thing. I wanted to give you this. H.G. Wells. He was a pretty good historian. And he wrote, he's authored this book, The Outline of History. And I use his book because it's little. And you can handle it. It's about wore out though. Anyway, I just wanted to tell you what he says here. And he, he's no different. Now, when he deals with stuff he knows, he's pretty good. But he doesn't know this. He's saying now, this was written in 1920. Speculations about geological time vary enormously. <clears throat> Estimates of the age of the oldest rocks by geologists, and they don't know what rock is how old. And astronomers, starting from different standpoints, have varied between a million six hundred thousand, no, a billion six hundred million, and twenty-five million. Now wait a minute. A billion is a thousand million. So one thousand six hundred million years, as compared to twenty-five million. That's a big difference, isn't it? So he's telling the truth about that. And then he's got up here, he's got a, a scale, the. Archeozoic age. Now he's got here, 
800 million or slash 80 million years ago. How'd you like to have that much leeway in your bank account? The next one, Proterozoic, 600 million or 60 million. And then early Paleozoic, 360 million or 36 million. Later Paleozoic, 260 million or 26 million. Mesozoic, 140 million or 14 million. And Cainozoic, 40 million or 4 million. He demands a lot, doesn't he? They demand a lot. They don't know how old this thing is. And we say we've got the history of the Word of God that's never been proven wrong. And that's why we are who we are. Okay. So the trail of blood begins. Where is it? Here it is over here. The trail of blood begins, and it tells us about the marks of a New Testament church. Now, what I wanted to do, yeah, that's why I got rid of my Bible. didn't want to do that. I want to go back through Mark, Matthew 16. This is very important. The Roman Catholic Church says that Jesus built the church on the Apostle Peter. I deny that. The Protestants, of which Baptists are not Protestants, they say that Jesus built the church on Peter's confession. I don't know how that works, but that's what they say. Those are the two, the two theories other than ours. We say Jesus built the church upon himself. Amen. Now, that's the other one. Okay, so Matthew 16 and verse 17. As Peter gave the, the right answer, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, Jesus answers and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee. See, salvation and spiritual understanding is not from the flesh. Amen. That which is flesh is flesh, and that which is spirit is spirit. And uh, no man receiveth the things of God but by the Spirit of God. And so it's revealed. Salvation is a revelation, Amen. not a reformation. Right. All right, so flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Now, Peter, you didn't figure this out on your own. You didn't calculate, you didn't cipher this. You only got this from my heavenly Father Amen. because he revealed it to you. And that's what we all ought to see about every spiritual thing, every truth we do know. All right, now, but here's, here's the thing. Here he's talking to Peter. Now, why did Peter answer him? He did not address Peter in this thing. Peter presumed to know the answer. Well, he actually did know the answer, but he didn't know where he got the answer from. And so Jesus, he, he states that, but look at verse 18, very, very important. And I say also unto thee. Now, many of the translations do not have that word also. They leave it out. 
say, well, you're making a big deal over a small word. It really is not a small word. Every word is given by inspiration of God, and it's profitable. And we need to understand every word is given by inspiration of God. But also, why would he say also? Number one, he's saying, Peter, you're not smart enough to figure this out. You didn't do it on your own. My father revealed it unto you. And also, <laughs> now that we're on that, putting Peter in his proper place, nothing against Peter. I got to be there too. You do too. That's where we are. We don't, we don't know God has to reveal it to us. But he said, and I say also unto thee. Why would you leave that also out? It's in the text. It's in the text of Receptus. It most certainly is. I was in, in uh, uh, Hungary. Bihakarestes. How's that? Do you remember that? Bihakarestes. Hungary. Right on the border between Hungary and Romania. And I was teaching this. And before the service, I had a translator because I can't speak Hungarian. And so I had a, a doctor. <clears throat> he could speak English pretty good. He was my translator. He was being paid. Brother Scaff was paying him. Anyway, before the service, I like to go over things that I'm going to be talking about and give him a chance to, to translate it. You have to do that when you're dealing with languages. And I asked him, I said, now, what Bible do you have? And he told me whatever it was. It didn't mean much to me. But I said, now, that verse is also there in your, in your Bible? He said, uh-uh. I said, then you get rid of that piece of junk. That's not the Bible. And I had him to ask. There was already a, a crowd in there. Ask if anybody has got a Bible that was translated about the time of the King James. There was an old man there that had been a Baptist preacher. You remember him? His daughter and son-in-law that... I can't remember his name, a sweet old fella. And he raised his hand. He had a Bible. And I said, go look at that Bible. See if he'll loan it to you. I said, is the word also there? He said, yes. I said, bring that. Now you've got the Bible. Well, here's a reason it is there. Not only am I telling you, Peter, that you didn't figure this out on your own. This is a divinely revealed truth. And I say also unto you, that upon this rock I will build my church, my assembly, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Thou art Peter, and upon this rock. Now the word Peter in the Greek is Petros, and the word this rock is Petra. About the same word, but you've got different endings. And the first one, he said, Peter, you are a chip off of the big rock. He said, I am the bedrock. So why did I say all that? Because that's rightly dividing the word of truth. Jesus didn't start a church on Peter. As a matter of fact, he had already told him in that chapter, said, get behind me, Satan. And he said, that you didn't figure this out. Peter wasn't any first pope. He said, well, well, nobody says that. Really? You really believe that? I've got a list right here. Popes and antipopes. Well, this came right straight. Uh, well, this is from the Britannica, but it's right off the Roman Catholic charts. Guess who they've got the first pope here? 
Peter. Right here it is. Get on the internet, pull it off. That's who they say. There wasn't any Catholic church at this time. And Peter definitely was not the first pope. And the truth is, Peter cannot, it cannot be proven that Peter was ever in Rome. You can, you can prove Paul was there, but you can't ever re, re, prove that Peter was ever in Rome. There's no way that the apostle Peter is the first pope. Matter of fact, there wasn't a man known as Papa, the Pope, until 590 A.D. Well, 590 A.D., right there. Quite some time from the first century. Way there. Now, yes, I can back up everything I'm saying. All right. Uh now, let's look at uh, uh, Matthew 28, and then I'll get on to something else. In Matthew 28, verse 16, the 11 disciples went away into Galilee. Why were there 11? There used to be 12. We know why, because Judas had gone and hanged himself. Jesus said it's better for him that he had never been born, and he went to his own place in hell. Anybody tells you that Judas was a saved man, they're denying the word of God. He was not, but he had already hanged himself. And therefore, there were only now 11 members of that first Baptist church. They had Baptist baptism from John the Baptist, the first Baptist church of Jerusalem. And at the time, that was the only church there was. And when it says Paul persecuted the church, that was the only church there was. All right. Didn't mean church universal, visible, or invisible. All right, so 11 disciples, 108. They saw him, some worse, some doubted. Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Now, probably some brethren want to argue with this. There ain't no arguing about it. The word power in the Greek is exousios. There's another word for power. Dunamis, the word from which we get dynamite. Dynamite power is not what is here. Exousios is the word for authority, legal authority. Therefore, Jesus is, now people say, oh, he has all power. He does, but he has all authority. That's what he's talking about. All authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Now, where did God, did Jesus Christ get Authority in heaven from his father. Where did he get authority in earth? You know, never have heard a preacher expound this. Never. But it needs to be expounded. We believe every word, don't we? All right, so where did he get, where did he get authority in earth? He got it when he submitted to the baptism of John the Baptist. Why? How did he do that? He was 60 miles away up by Galilee and heard that John the Baptist was baptizing at uh, Bethabara right north of the Dead Sea uh, on the uh, Jordan River. And Jesus walked all the way, rough terrain, 60 miles to get to John the Baptist. And there were plenty of people in Galilee that were saved if it didn't matter about the authority. And all you people that don't think it matters about authority, why would Jesus do that when there were people up there that could have baptized him if the authority didn't make any difference? He came there. And he said, present himself to John to be baptized. 
And John said, oh no, I want to be worthy to untie your shoes. Jesus said, thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Now what's he talking about? All of the purpose of God. John didn't say another word. He took Jesus and he immersed him. Didn't sprinkle him, didn't pour him. That big painting from, I don't know which one, the, the old artist. They got Jesus and John the Baptist standing ankle deep in a creek. And, and John the Baptist has got a half a coconut shell with water, pouring water over Jesus' head. That is a blatant lie. I don't care how good the artwork is. That's a, as much a lie as the 16th uh, uh, chapel ceiling in, in Rome. Uh, well, it's not in the Vatican, right across from it. Anyway... When, he, when Michelangelo painted God, on, he can't paint God. No man's seen God at any time. What a lie. And people just ooh and ah over the artwork. No, we don't, I don't do that. Anyway, so all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Now it says to the assembly. There was just 11. Doesn't matter how many there are. That's how many there were. Amen. And he said, second person plural. You all go. Therefore, why? You're going in my power. He didn't surrender his authority to the church. He said to the church, go in my authority. Go and teach all nations. Church of the Lord is a teaching organization, not an entertainment organization. And he said, and baptizing, immersing them in the name of the Father and the Son, the Holy Ghost, not in the name of Jesus only, in the name of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, teaching, continue teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always. That means by days. Since this time, when Jesus founded his church, there has never been one day that a true authoritative congregation of Jesus Christ hasn't been on this earth. Anybody that wanted to get scriptural baptism, they could have gotten it if they wanted it because it's been here. Now, all of Protestantism is started on the lie that the churches died out in the dark ages. Now, let me show you here. On our, There's the dark ages. Now, Dr. Carroll's got it from the um, middle of the f uh, fourth century and, and got it up here to the beginning of the uh, 17th uh, or was, yeah 17th century anyway do you know that now that the historians don't even call this dark ages they call it the renaissance upper and lower and middle renaissance they quit doing it you know why because this is a black eye big time on the Roman Catholic Church. And then up here is black eye on Protestants. But anyway, but this were, these were the dark ages. But that's not when all the trouble started. They actually started back here in the first century. All right. Uh, you've got your first date, uh, 4004, uh, for creation. Now, we'll get some more dates as we go along. Uh, I guess I'm done here with this right here. 
Let me get this over here. I get in my own way, if you know what I'm talking about. Now, now I said, Daniel's prophecy is very important. And that's why the liberals fight the book of Daniel every bit as much as they fight the book of Genesis and the gospel of John. They don't like the book of Daniel because if the book of Daniel is true, we're all in a heap of trouble. Because you go in Daniel, you go to the uh, first or second chapter, it gets you the introductions and all that, you get to the second chapter and you find Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. Well, I'm about done here. Anyway, he had a dream and it was a vision of a huge man. And it took Daniel to come out of prison to interpret the dream. And not only interpret, he had to tell Nebuchadnezzar what he dreamed. But Daniel, the second chapter through the third chapter, Daniel tells him what that dream is. Head of gold, chest and arms of silver, belly and thighs of brass, legs of iron, feet and toes of iron and clay mixed, partly weak and partly strong. And it stood until there was a rock, not cut out with hands, but it rolled out of a mountain and rolled over that, Bab that uh, Babylonian dream. The gold head was the Neo-Babylonian Empire. Uh, the, gold, the silver chest and arms, two kingdoms there, the Medes and the Persians. And that's exactly what happened. And then from that, you had the Greek, the Macedonians, uh, Philip the Macedonian and Alexander the Great, his son. They're the belly and thighs of brass. That's the Greeks. And then from that, you had the two legs of iron. There's the Roman Empire. And then from there, you got the feet and the toes, uh, iron and clay mixed, partly weak, partly strong. Those are the Gentile kingdoms. If the United States is there, we're in the toes. Right. And that's how close we are to the second coming of Christ. Now that, that rock that comes out of that mountain and crushes that image, the world, world empires, that's Jesus' millennial kingdom. Amen. So, now a lot of them all don't believe that millennial. Well, I believe it. I believe the Bible teaches it. All right. So that gets you a panorama of world history down to now. And that's why you have to understand the book of Daniel. They say, oh, it's already been fulfilled. No, it hadn't. If you just read the book and let the book say what it says, you've got your scope presented in chapter 2. And that dream, that is the scope of the book. It takes you from Nebuchadnezzar, the gold Neo-Babylonian Empire, all the way to the Gentile world empires at the end, all the way to the Millennial Kingdom. That's the scope of the book of Daniel. And somebody says, oh, it was fulfilled in 70 AD. You need to go back and read the Bible is what you need to do. Anyway, so we'll talk more about that as we go along. Uh, let's see what I've got here. Boy, huh? I said I was going to try to make it about an hour. It's been an hour, you know. Uh, this uh, quickly look at Revelation 17 
Revelation 17. And there came one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials, and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, or come here. I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness. And I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. And upon her forehead was the name written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. Now, who is this woman, this old harlot of uh, Babylon, Mystery Babylon the Great? Now, you see, we get into the name Babylon early on, and it's still carried on here even into the end times. Look back real quick at Revelation 3, I think it is. Yeah, yeah, well, it's chapter 2, I'm sorry. I want to show you this woman, the old harlot, unto the angel of the, verse 18, chapter 2, the church in Thyatira, right, these things saith the Son of God, who hath his eyes like unto a flame of fire, his feet are like fine brass. I know thy works and the charity, service, and faith, thy patience, and thy works and the last be more than the first. Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee because thou sufferest or allowest that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess to teach and to seduce my servants, to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. There's the same woman. There she appears in one of the seven churches of Asia Minor. All right, now let me give you another one here. Matthew 13. Matthew 13. Verse 33, And another parable spake he unto them, The kingdom of heaven is likened to leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal, till the whole was leavened. That leaven is not the gospel. Anybody tells you that? They need to go back and study the scriptures. That leaven is not the gospel. The gospel does not spread itself. Amen. The gospel must be proclaimed. He said, Go ye into all the world, teaching, <laughs> preaching the gospel to every creature. This leaven spreads itself. And every other 
citation of leaven, it's evil, immorality, or false doctrine. And here's a woman, these are kingdom parables, talking about the whole apparent kingdom of God, outward kingdom of God. This is like the mustard seed, a tree that grew, and birds of fowls came and roosted in it. And now this woman is putting leaven in this lump of meal. And what does leaven do? It eats until it goes all the way through. And this is what Jesus is selling, what's going to happen to his kingdom. Well, let me give you one more and we'll quit. Let's go all the way back to Genesis. Chapter 10, I think it is. Genesis chapter 10. These are the generations of the sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. This is after the flood. We know they, the three sons of Noah repopulated the whole world that had been destroyed. You see, Every, everybody, everybody, doesn't matter where you're from, what color, if you're a human being, you go back to Noah. Right. And that, he goes back to Adam. So how many races are there? One. Amen. All right, so, but look over here in this. Uh, Cush, verse 8, Cush begat Nimrod. He began to be a mighty one in the earth. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Wherefore it is said, even as Nimrod, the mighty hunter, before the Lord, the beginning of his kingdom was Babel, and Erech, and Akkad, and Calne, and the land of Shinar. Now, I don't have time to get into all that, but I'll tell you this. Nimrod had a wife. There's the woman. There's the woman. Her name, Semiramis. Now, you can trace her. From ancient Babylon, that's Nimrod's kingdom, all the way up. Now see, that would give you uh, B.C. 2300 years before Christ. That's ancient Babylon. You get, you get down to the 6th century B.C. and you get the Neo-Babylonian kingdom, the new Babylonian kingdom. That's Nebuchadnezzar and so on. But you can trace a woman all the way through there. You get the history of Israel, the history of, of uh, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And do you pick up Jezebel there anyway? Yes, you do. And what Jezebel do? She introduced Baal worship, sun god worship into uh, the northern kingdom of Israel. Did the, the southern kingdom? Yeah, they got into it too. They all did. <coughs> But you follow that line, those women, all the way through history, and there you find Satan's attempt to destroy the Lord and the Lord's people. And he's done a lot, but just hadn't been complete. He hadn't completed it. So we're going to trace the history of idolatry, the history of heresy, and it even comes into church history. And that's why we find all of these, these dots, the black dots go into one line. They're churches that went into heresy. They, they drank the heretical Kool-Aid. And then you've got these red dots. These are people who refused to allow 
Jezebel and all of her cohorts to corrupt us and they remain true to the faith once delivered to the saints. And that's who we follow there. And you got a solid line there all here and they're still here today. But that's because the Lord has perpetuated his kind of church. You got questions or comments? We'll take it up next time. May the Lord bless you. We'll quit now.